Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. My family thinks I'm crazy. Podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? I'm a nomad. I'm in a very fortunate position because my life right now is the complete opposite of your uh, podcast title. My whole family is awake. <laughs> Literally, everyone, like my sister might be the most awake. I'm in the fortunate position where my immediate family, yeah, I don't have to convince them of anything. GMOs, 9-11 inside job, Area 51, fake news, chemtrails, they're just like, yeah, that makes sense. JFK assassination, Illuminati, false flags, they're just like, yeah, that makes sense. RFID chip, moon landing fake, rigged elections, crisis act. Yeah, that makes sense. Predictive programming, secret societies, FEMA camps, CERN, Big six, con- big six control media. That makes sense. 2030 UN agenda. The Clintons are murderer. MK Ultra. Bohemian Grove. Yeah, big sense. Aliens are demons. Rothschilds. Black Pope. Jesuit order. Uh, blood sacrifices. I don't have to convince them of anything. If I were going to put money on which one I think it is, mental gymnastics. That's level one. <laughs> Freemasonry. Mm. Then level three is. Conspiracy theorists. I bought a t-shirt that said conspiracy analyst on it, and I thought that was cool until I realized it also said conspiracy anal on it. Yeah. I I was having, like, the jab debate with people in Canada. Uh, If you didn't know, I ran away. So, okay. I'm a nomad. I'm pretty hardcore. I know Canadians. There's just a magic hand over there. (laughs) I listen to Alex Jones once, literally, like, the fucking melting brain George Carl. Mm. He got me really spinning my wheels about how the world actually works.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And in this age of tyranny, we've got a lot of people thinking, I got to move, I got to go somewhere new. The laws where I live are not sane. They're not rational. They don't make me feel safe, nor do they make me feel comfortable. Luckily, I haven't been pushed to the brink of that yet, but unfortunately, today's guest cannot say the same. Luke Mitchell, host of the Luke Mitchell Show and creator of Luke Mitchell's Circus on YouTube, joined me today to talk about how he left Canada. Peace. See you later. Sayonara. And went to Florida. Luckily, his whole family joined him because, as he put it, they are not crazy and he is not crazy. (laughs) They don't think he's crazy. They are all very sane. So we ended up talking a little bit with Luke and then Luke asked me a bunch of really great questions that I thought would be interesting to you here tuning in on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Maybe your family might ask you similar questions. Who knows? But I've thought about this a lot, and I really want to shorten the intros as much as possible so you'll still hear the classic MFTIC rap song. You'll still hear the interlude made by yours truly but the intros are going to be much shorter i'm going to have to talk about our sponsors but as far as all of the other interesting things that i tend to mention in the intro you can tune in towards the end of the episode to hear all of that and much much more because the extended outros are going to be the place for all that stuff so right off the bat real quick just want to thank audrey lobdell for all your reiki and tuning for needs hit her up she is the one in the descriptions And then, of course, Akasha Goods for all your holistic health resources, specifically some really cool candles to accelerate the energy of your home. And then finally, Fru's Forest Bathing Service. That's right, Fru's Forest Bathing Service. They are helping people connect with the natural energies of the earth. So that about does it for the intro. And without further ado, Luke Mitchell, the man behind the Luke Mitchell show and a very hilarious Instagram channel as well. Uh, You can find all the content at Luke Mitchell's Circus on YouTube and follow him on Instagram. All the rest. Enjoy this conversation with myself and Luke Mitchell. I'm kind of learning so much, so much of it is real, you know, like over the past three years, it's just denial of how much is actually happening. I agree. And I think that, you know, that's the first episode I ever did for my podcast was about JFK because that's when the conspiracy theorist term was born. And it was in response to everybody questioning what had happened to JFK. So I think we need a new term. I bought a t-shirt that said conspiracy analyst on it, and I thought that was cool until I realized it also said conspiracy anal on it. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I I know what we should call ourselves, conspiracy researchers, or maybe just alternative researchers. That's like the more benign term that like the ancient alien type people call themselves, so with where do you start doing the research too? like because you can't just that's one of the problems too i find is everyone 
Uh, I was having like the job debate with people in Canada. Uh, if you didn't know, I ran away. I'm living at my parents' house in Florida right now. So okay. I'm a nomad. Uh, I love that. I, I, I knew you were Canadian, but you started talking about Florida. So that confused me because my grandparents are Canadian. So I know Canadians. I know the accent. And then you started talking about Florida and I'm like, I got a little confused. Okay. So you're from like outside Toronto, Newmarket, where Jim Carrey's from. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. 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 But what was I saying? I was basically just saying, oh, yeah, like the debate of the job efficacy and stuff. Anytime you would have the conversation, it was always, oh, look at the the, the Canadian health government website says it's fine. It's like, well, that's your first problem. It's like typing into Google and it's Ghislaine Maxwell, a rapist murderer. It's, you're probably going to get some BS runaround answers. You have to like go to like duck, duck, go or something. That is so right off the bat, you're, you're on a, not an even playing field with these people. Well, and how do you even get them to trust alternative sources in the first place when they're so used to watching The View and all this other crap television that when they go on the internet, if it doesn't look like Oprah Winfrey telling them that this is the truth, then they get scared, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I, you know, I'm in a very fortunate position because. My life right now is the complete opposite of your uh, podcast title. My whole family's awake. <laughs> That's awesome. Literally everyone, like my sister might be the most awake, but okay. yeah. So <clears throat> I'm in the fortunate position where my immediate family, yeah, I don't have to convince them of anything. They're just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> is that why you're in Florida? Did they all jump ship and say, let's get out of Canada Stan or whatever? Well, unfortunately, my parents didn't listen to me originally and they got the first two shots, but they had bought this place luckily three years ago. Oh, cool. And I got out. So basically in Canada, you weren't allowed to get on an airplane after October 29th. And I was like, I packed up my condo, I packed up everything, all my gear, my film gear, and I just shipped it all down to my master three and I have it here now. And my next option is moving to Mexico on like a four-year visa. Right on. Well, Mexico is a whirlwind. Mexico is going to be a lot cheaper than up here. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Well, it's a lot easier too to live in Mexico. Mm. You only need to prove that you have like a certain amount of money in your bank. Whereas here, if I wanted to stay, I'd have to get like a two-year visa, have three full-time employees, put a hundred thousand dollars into like some business venture, like it's a hassle. So <laughs> what do they expect you to be like Secret Agent Canada? Like what do you they want to just set up your own base you, and you like, Americans don't want Canadians. I don't think you want us. We don't we only want the successful, hyper successful Canadians. Wow. Yeah. You gotta literally just like marry fake marry someone or that's pretty much it. Like Wow. All right. I never knew that. My grandparents escaped Canada on train in the 1920s. So that's key. <laughs> yeah. Like my Pepe, he went down to Connecticut from New Brunswick and got a, got a train, then hitched a ride with a buddy from Massachusetts down into where I live. And he started working at a rubber factory and then he made enough money to, to send my grandma down. So then they started living down here, but yeah, definitely. Um, not similar at all, but kind of similar because the economic forces at that time were like, yeah, we got to get the hell out of Canada. There's no jobs up here, you know? Yeah. Well, it's Canada, Canada, like the economy there is just growing. There's just a magic hand over there. 
No, but Canada, the economy is growing like crazy, but the, 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 the brainwashing is just at like a level where like, you know, I, I listen to Alex Jones once in a while, every day, wink. Uh, and he always talks about like the fight that Americans have in them. And like, they, they, there at least is some fights, you know, like in Canada, it was like, it immediately, everyone just turned on me unjabbed. And yeah. I just did not see any way of winning them back. So I was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Like the time just turns so drastically so fast. Yeah. And um, well, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with Alex Jones with that because in New Haven, Connecticut, the, the city where I live, they pretty much bent over and asked them to inject them in the rear. So it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it was just as bad in some parts of the U.S., you know? Yeah. And that's, at least you guys have pockets though, right? Like literally there's no pocket in Canada. It's crazy. No pockets. Like, there's like maybe like a 10 acre farm where they are people have RVs set up, but like, yeah. I didn't like the weather in Canada to be good with. I would rather just be a nomad right. going around the world, right. avoiding this. Well, I know there's some holdouts in Calgary, but that's like, that's like freaking brutal weather, especially this oh, yeah. time of year <laughs> up there. Graham and yeah. Aaron on the Grimerica show. They, they've been on the show before. Yeah. I listen to them. I listen to them. I, yeah, I was listening to them pretty hardcore, but now that I found your podcast, I've been listening to it pretty religiously. I, I'm actually a huge uh, fan. I, you guys like just, you cut to the stuff I really enjoy and, and make it sound very pretty. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I try to let my ADD lead the way. And, uh, you know, sometimes like people start talking about something and I'm just like, all right, let's move on. But yeah, I don't know. I've been a little weird about my interviews lately because I've done so many in a row that it was hard to like prepare for each one the way I want mm -hmm. to. So my goal for 2022 is to like actually finish reading my guest book before I email them to have them on the show because I get so excited. I like read the first chapter and then I'm like, all right, I got to email them. And then by the time <laughs> they come on the week later, it's like I'm only at chapter two and I feel like a fucking idiot. So so yeah, right. that's, that's where I've been at lately, but thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, I think it's easier when you have as much free time as I do now after quitting my job and just working full time at this thing, man. And luckily Sam Tripoli asked me to book for him. So that's kind of been helped me float along, but for a while I was making like zero dollars. Uh, and then I had this basically like epiphany like you know what i need to network with other podcasters you know like that's how i'm gonna grow this podcast but also maybe find other gigs to do like the one i had with sam so it's fucking happening dude i appreciate that people are vibing i appreciate that you hit me up and that you like the show man i i don't know i've been recording because i don't want to miss anything fun but i also oh, this is actually good i like this i like cool. just kind of learning each other's backstories i was gonna I was going to like serve it up. Where, where are you living right now? Connecticut. We're trying to get our own place, but we were actually thinking about going to Mexico possibly <laughs> because, because my second aunt and uncle uh, lived down there and they were telling us all how, you know, how sane it is and how, how clean and like this one little community that they're in is by this beautiful lake. And so I, Oh dude, I know that I, I, it's so funny. My my parents have a friend here who was just talking about like their friend is retiring by this community by lake. There's like a Facebook lake in Mexico. Yeah, oh, like, Canadians. 
Yeah. This <laughs> aunt and uncle are Canadian, so I'm sure you, your finger is on the right pulse. Like you, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's a Canadian hotspot. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, uh, I, I was looking at literally like Mexico city, the, what's the, there's like a Oaxaca. <clears throat> now there's also the Playa del Carmen area, but that's been having like shootouts on the beach lately. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be there. And then there's all the, become a war journalist. Then there's like the, what's the other side called? There's a huge Baja. like American hot spot over there. Naming all the wrong places. Chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Once like, I had it open here. There's people love this when we just pause and look for stuff on in the oh, internet. I do it all the time. That's yeah. I screen share things, you know, you just can't tell because on the audio side, I edit it all out. I, I edit out all the pauses. You do? Okay. I was going to ask because I listen to my goal. I've said it like they're pretty quick here, but that, okay. That makes a lot more sense now. Well, there, yeah, there are times where I pause and, and edit it out, but usually with the intros, I'll just be standing there, sitting there at my desk, like staring into the ceiling and be like, oh, and this. Right. Oh, and this. And then I go and edit it and it sounds like I'm like, yes, da 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 but it's like really <laughs> slow and drawn out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Port of Vallarta is a huge expat zone. I was also looking at, so the whole thing that inspired this was my sister's in real estate and she knew a couple who just like a year ago when this all started, just picked up their family and moved to Costa Rica. And then I heard a guy's on, I think it was uh Grimerica talking about how they moved to Costa Rica too from Canada because they had the same mindset where like they, I, they just didn't think there was any coming back from the mindset in Canada and it was only going to get worse. And clearly, <laughs> I mean, look at what's happening right now. Right. They just entered full lockdown, even if you're double jab. So <laughs> that worked, <laughs> you know, like it's, and now they're arresting people in Quebec. They have curfews. Like Damn. what? It's just, it's so sad and, and it's just, I, I, I have my sister back there right now. She just got, she, her and her husband just decided to fly around the world like one last time. And then they, so they went to uh, Florida, Costa Rica, the Dominican, and then Switzerland, which is where he's from. And apparently it's just as bad there too. So <laughs> they're back in Canada now and saving up to like get a private jet out of there as soon as they can. Yeah. Damn. I, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> There is a sort of like American privilege to all of this whole thing that oh, we've. Dude, when I listen to Sam talk, I'm like, he he always mentions this thing. Sorry to cut you off, but no, he always right. mentions this thing where he says, uh, you know, how much of this stuff really does affect you? And I, I want to like jump through the fucking screen and be like, dude, I literally packed up my life and left. Like, it's pretty drastic. Well, I, yeah. And he, he gets affected by it big time. I know just from traveling, but you got to also keep in mind, he's going to, now he's going to the States where they give the least fucks about it, which. Yeah, probably, so we right. So, you know, and here it is, it's kind of a mixed bag because there's a lot of conservatives here, despite it being a, a democratic state. So yeah, like really, I think I've said this before on the show, like my only real thing that I stopped doing was going to stores, you know, like the stores that wouldn't allow me in with a mask, without a mask, I just stopped patroning them, you know, and, and it got to the point where that, you know, was 
every store at one point. Yeah. So I kind of got <laughs> fucked and had to go to the grocery store with the mask. But other than that, you know, since then, and this is going to sound probably pretentious, but like coffee shops, I fucking, I got really mad because I, I used to love buying coffees. And what's really cool is, as you saw the magic hand, my lovely uh, girlfriend brought me my coffee. Now we have one upstairs with the steamer and the right. thing. So we make them all ourselves now. So it's really just pushed us to become more self-sufficient. But I think, you know, with the, the freedom that we, you know, freedom that alex jones talks about that we have as americans we really do kind of have like a little bit of a buffer compared to what i've heard it sounds like going on in australia canada europe but i mean you know we were all just born where we were born it's one of those things like you know i didn't choose for you to be born there me to be born here and and like unfortunately the other side of it is a lot of americans i notice are so indoctrinated that they're just like, they almost put on this like bravado that I think adds to the perspective that Americans are stupid, right? Which I I agree with as an American. I'm like, yeah, most of us are pretty fucking stupid. But for, for you know, someone from another country's perspective to see us the way we are right now, I can imagine we sound like whiners, but at the same time, there are like really real shit there are really Orwellian things going on in places like New York City and places like Los Angeles. Like my sister, she's probably not going to be able to keep her job because she works in New York City. So it was a slow kind of push for a lot of people, including myself. I mean, the job thing was a big fuck, fuck you, because I worked for Amazon as a delivery guy. And I heard that. Yeah. So, you know, when they started putting a laser, I'll tell you this story. You'll probably appreciate it. So I go to work every day and my, my routine was so down pat. I mean, I had everything planned out from like when I would smoke a little bit of weed on my break, <laughs> when I would eat a yogurt, like when I would stop where I would stop, like what I would listen to. And I was like plugged in higher side chats, sinful hat those conspiracy guys like back to back eight hour shifts. Right. So I loved yeah. my job. It was great. Then we show up to the factory warehouse place and they're like, you got to put a mask on when you're loading your truck. We don't care if you wear it during the day, but you got to put it on when you're loading your truck. And I'm like, all right, whatever. It's 30 minutes of the day. I'll, I'll wear the mask while I'm loading the truck. So that went on for maybe two weeks. And then I see this guy standing like kind of at the gates of the warehouse and he's like, all right, everybody line up. And I'm like, why are we lining up? Like, this is supposed to be a rush. Like everybody rushes into the warehouse and like packs their van up as fast as they can. Like that's the, the idea. Right. And now they're right. stopping everybody to make us wait in a line to go into the warehouse in groups of three. So, and, and keep in mind, this is a massive warehouse. Like you could, you could probably put like 10 people on my shoulders and we'd still be like grabbing for the ceiling. Like it's a massive warehouse. I'm like, there's no, there's no social distancing necessary in this massive warehouse. Yeah. So we start lining up, we do the social distancing thing. That's like, I got about two weeks left at that point. Right. Cause I'm starting to really, this, this starting to wear on me and the final straw was the laser. They start lining us up like, 
we were lining up to go into the warehouse in groups and they're like, all right, now we have to point a laser at your forehead to tell your temperature. And if you read hotter than a hundred degrees, you got to go home. Keep in mind, I drive an hour to work every day. So if someone like has me show up to work and then says I have to go home, I just wasted two hours of gas for nothing. Right. So, so I, I, and I'm a hothead already. So I'm like, I'm pissed off and I'm like, well, of course I'm going to be a hundred. You got, you know, like I was fuming and then they put a laser in my head. So I told them to fuck off. I said, this is like, I went, I'm embarrassed about it, but I, 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 I went out of the line and I started like, trying to rally the troops you know like all the other delivery drivers they're all like vaping and like chewing bubble gum and looking at me like what the fuck you know and i'm like don't you guys see we need to stand up they're taking our fucking freedoms away this ends tomorrow no masks and this was like march 17th 20 like this was not even like we were yeah. not even just a big thing. <laughs> it was like june 2020 it was so like soon into it but anyways yeah that's how i lost my job i i, I turned into a covid madman and quit <laughs> well i i was lucky that i kind of had i was like filming houses and people were like i was like the best business to be in because everyone wanted like virtual houses like filmed right because they weren't going to them so my business was booming but it got to the point where people were asking me like oh do you have the Jab, and I'm like, no. And they would get all weird and be like, well, that's going to be a problem. And I was like, I'm filming the house alone. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, going in when no one else is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just like literally like the fucking melting brain. And I love when Sam says that the mental gymnastics you have to do to have this make sense. It's just like at an all time retarded level, well, in my opinion. You know what? And it's kind of in this weird way, politically, socio-politically creeped in through the left because I remember this personality and I'm stereotyping, but fuck, look at where we're at right now. You know, I love this conversation, but there, there was this like hypochondriac nature that came in with certain character type personality types that really loved the left. You know, the love, the left wing politics. And I was a left wing guy for a little while. Like I used to call myself hippie Mark and I thought, you know, we were going to, you know, burn down the system with Bernie and all that bullshit. But I noticed when I was working in a farmer's market in 2019, like something was weird. I called the health inspector a Nazi and me and my coworker who used to be the co-host on this show, Jay, my buddy, we were like getting harassed hardcore by the health inspector people, right? At this farmer's market. Now keep in mind, we're selling bread, right? Bread doesn't have COVID and the COVID wasn't even a thing back then either way. So we're selling bread and I'm cutting up samples and we put the samples out on the table. And one day they come along and they're like, yeah, so, you know, we have new rules and you're going to need a sneeze guard for your table. And I'm like, a sneeze guard? Why do I need a sneeze guard? He's like, well, there are germs and, and particulars that are going to come from someone's face and maybe land on the bread and then someone will eat the sample and, and, and that could cause a problem. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, you realize if somebody sneezes on the bread, I'm right here 
I'm going to take the bread. I'm going to chuck it in the trash. I'm not just going to leave it there so somebody can come and sample it, you know, and like something as like common sense as that, like if somebody ruins the bread, you know, they couldn't trust us to manage that. They couldn't trust us to manage yeah. our own bread. The one that we drove there, keep that in mind. So we had to put this sneeze guard on our table. It completely like, I don't want to say like cut our profit in half, but probably like a good third of it went away because those samples were a big part of what we did. And it was really strange how, you know, this health inspector guy just was so like, like we called him a Nazi to his face. I'm like, dude, you're a fucking Nazi, bro. Like, what is your problem? They had to like, like other farmer market people were like, what's your deal, man? Are you okay? I'm like me. I'm like, he's a fucking asshole. And they're like, he's the health inspector. You got to be nice to him. I'm like, be nice to him. He's a fucking asshole. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not playing politics, you know, like I've never yeah. been that guy, but I saw it happen in the farmer's market, which is supposed to be like free love, open air, you know, everybody's here kind of crunchy and they, they believe in like, you know, the dirtier you are, the healthier you are. Like that sounds like not a great way to phrase it, but you know, this whole culture of, Oh, you know, clean your children off and disinfect them. It's making for weak immune systems. And George Carlin has that he just nailed the bit. Like you don't even have to like dive into it because he nailed that bit so mm. well, like 20 years ago. <laughs> that, I, I, I was going to ask, what would you say your first kind of step towards, uh, fuck, I have to call it conspiracy theorism, but what would you say it was? I, I, like, for me, it was probably watching George Carlin. Mm. He got me really spinning my wheels about how the world actually works well i mean yeah i love this question i feel like it was a series of events but i i mean if i really had to boil it down to like when i the youngest would be like ripley's believe it or not those book series and like i remember spontaneous combustion bigfoot ufos like right the, like reading about that at like seven i was like this is this is this is too cool to be true. And I'm like, you know, I really was like not believing it, but I thought it was really fascinating. So that was kind of the first foray for me. But then when 9-11 happened, I lived, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 miles away from New York City. So it was kind of a big deal where I live. And we got, you know, sent home from school and they were playing the towers falling on TV in our elementary school before our parents, you know, were called to come pick us up. I live close enough to score. I just walked the fuck home. But, but I remember looking up in the sky thinking like, is there terrorists? Like what's going on? You know? Yeah. So that was a little bit of a, uh, a wake up. And then I got really, I got really into like conservative politics after that. Cause like a lot of people did, you know, they kind of got into this like nationalism and oh America first and we got to fight the terrorists and I'm only in like middle school so I'm just hearing what my grandfather's talking about as he's watching Fox News and as I got older and older and started to really see the word world for myself I'm like wow this guy's racist this guy's all wrong you know like my grandpa's an asshole I love my grandpa and it's funny how like eight years later Trump unites us back together because we're both kind of like, yeah, Trump's fucking cool, right? Like, you know, but like when the Bush era was around, like we would butt heads all the time. So that's when I first became kind of like anti-establishment was when I saw like the Bush era politics and the war 
and 9-11 and it all just didn't fit with me. So that's when I started going online. I found loose change and the internet was still free enough in 20, you know, 2009, 2008, where you can find documentaries like that. And I wasn't into podcasting back then. I wish I had found like uh, an audio show back then, but you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll say that. And then also when I was in college, you know, I had already smoked a bunch of weed and weed was a big part of it. You know, obviously like reminding me how right I was about the establishment and my choice to be anti-establishment, but college was a big one. And I've talked about this on my show a bunch with my mentor Amos, who basically broke down skull and bones to me in a way that not only made sense, but I was like, whoa, okay. Like that's what's going on, you know? Cause I, I had kind of felt like there was something strange and there was a weird occult thing going on. But when my friend Amos pointed out the group and said, yeah, it's most likely they're doing this, you know, right? I didn't believe it. I didn't want to like, say like, you know, to this day, I don't think skull and bones is the one and only power occult group, but it's one of the Legion of doom. Right. So yeah, I would, it's funny. Cause my, my, I would, if I were going to put money on which one I think it is, it's probably Freemasonry, mm. but that's just me. I'm a rookie in this whole thing. Okay. That, to me, it just seems like conspiracy theorists almost taken to a, such a confusing level that it could be just so plain and blatantly obvious that it's right in front of your face. Right. But I don't know. Maybe I just don't know enough. And maybe you can enlighten me on why that might not be the right choice. Well, I think, you know, that I think what you just said is kind of brilliant in a way, and I agree with it. It does get complicated to the point where it does turn maybe armchair researchers away. I would just say it's it's it works that way to their benefit, right? So the Freemason group, you're absolutely right, harbors a lot of these people, but is it as simple as that like all Freemasons are bad and and, you know, None of them are good. No, and it's not as simple as, oh, they're all good and none of them are bad, right? So I think what we have, and you see it with a group like Skull and Bones the most, where 15 members per uh, year in, in the class, right? So you have a class of uh, however many thousand kids in Yale each year, and of those, 15 get chosen to be in Skull and Bones, and 15 of those are usually from connected, wealthy families, right? So I don't know if it's it's the group itself, but I think the the way power works, the way elites run their lives, they'll conduct their activities under the auspices of these various groups. And they use these secret groups to make connections and then maybe, you know, a more out in the open group like the Freemasons ends up creating a lesser known group like, you know, the order of orange, you know, and then these order of orange guys are all like, you know what? We really like what we're doing. Let's, let's make our thing grow. Let's go to other Masonic lodges and recruit more Freemasons from other places. So now you have like, what's like an outward venue. That's the Masonic lodge with like a sort of esoteric inner group that kind of is able to navigate all these lodges. You know, it's to me, I think it's a system outside of our modern visible 
public world. It's it's a private world. And that's, again, it's not to say that it's all bad. Like you and I could start our own club and, and not invite anybody to the meetings and do whatever the fuck we want, you know? And it's not, that's not to say that we're going to be doing evil things just because we want it to keep, you know, keep a secret about it. Right. So I think it's just the way power groups work. So whether I'm going to like sit here and be like, well, you're all wrong, Luke. It's definitely the Freemasons or not. Like, no, I don't want to do that. But I think the the point is, is for us to crowdsource our research and use our instincts to kind of be our own guide. Because it might not be the Freemasons in your town or your area, but I do think that like a certain group of Freemasons in some town might be up to no good. And we have historical evidence of that, that the whole anti-Masonic movement in the late 19th century was because uh, a group of Masons were basically controlling a whole town and somebody, somebody was, you know, a political opponent or a community opponent and he ended up getting hung and dragged through the streets. And so many people were upset about this man's murder and the, how the Masons in that town just covered it up and, you know, didn't uh, let anybody know the real story. It was all pretty obvious what had happened. And I think that led, I could get the exact facts, but the anti-Masonic movement was not good for the Masons. And since then, there's been a bunch of like sort of pseudo-Masonic groups that have came about, like the Shriners. And, you know, what's his name? I just like, when I, when I, when I, there was this guy who was on uh, Australian X Factor and he put out like this four hour long video about the Masons. Do you see that video? Well, yes. And you know what? In long hair. And he was talking like, if you look back, if you look at like all these figureheads, like Karl Marx is doing the hidden hand of Freemasonry. And you're just like, well, if Karl Marx is doing the hidden hand of Freemasonry, <laughs> the biggest scumbag. No demand. Well, one of them. I mean, there's a there's a good. Well, and you know what it is? It's the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So someone like Karl Marx maybe thought he was doing good by creating Marxism. But clearly, Marxism is a tool used by bad people to, you know, control and ruin people's lives. Right. So and I think that's the same thing that masonry does is it kind of creates these inner circles and whatever happens in those inner circles is up to our interpretation. But yeah, I watched that video. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched it in pieces, but it just struck me as like uh, flat earth anti Freemasonry, which I'm not against flat earth. I have the globe in my uh, background (laughs) here to kind of show people that I'm a little bit more on that side of things, but I'm also very open-minded. I don't want to like not, I don't, I don't go against flat earth, but flat earthers have this sort of illusion that it all must be one group. You know, it's gotta be the Freemasons. So that, that bothers me. I don't, I can't say I'm the expert, but I definitely don't think it's as simple as that. I think more esoteric groups use the Freemasons sort of as like a cover, you know, so they're able to operate within this social structure that the Masons created, but it's not limited to like, oh yeah, we're all just Freemasons because you have Rosicrucians, you have, and then within that you have people with different competing 
political ideologies, you know, and and that really tends to be what shapes history is who wins those political bickering matches because the winner rewrites history in a lot of cases, yeah. you know, and 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 like someone like Napoleon is a good example of that. I mean, if I asked you a couple of facts about Napoleon, one or two of them might be he was short, he was bald, you know, like if you look up Napoleon in like a kid's story or telling of history, they tell you all this stuff about him that he was like a megalomaniac dictator. But someone who I've been reading lately, Walter Bosley, wrote a whole book about how Napoleon was absolutely not that at all. And the only reason we remember him that way is because the British absolutely hated Napoleon and wrote as much propaganda against them as as they could. And the truth is, Napoleon was probably more interested in some of the subjects that I talk about on my show than than you might have suspected, like pyramids and, and ancient relics and things like that. So Napoleon is a good uh, example of how history just gets totally beaten up uh, if you're the if you're the loser of a certain battle, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I it's funny. I have this um chart here from this guy on Instagram. I said, what level are you at? And level one is, so it's basically like a conspiracy chart mm-hmm. and it's uh, GMOs, 9-11 inside job, Area 51, fake news, chemtrails, Iraq was for oil. That's level one. <laughs> Some of them on here, I don't even know what they are. JFK assassination, Illuminati, false flags. What's NWO? New world order. New world order. <laughs> Martial law. Then level three is RFID chip, D-U-N-B-S, moon landing fate, rigged elections, crisis actors. Okay. And what is it? What's D-U-N-B-S? Deep underground military bases. Okay. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And then RFID chip? Uh, That is a uh, radio frequency identification device. Okay. And then level four is predictive programming, secret societies, FEMA camps. CERN, big six, con- big six control media. I, I don't get that's level four, but and then level five is twenty thirty UN agenda. The Clintons are murderers. <laughs> Harvard, MK Ultra, Bohemian Grove. Level six is aliens or demons. Rothschilds, Black Pope, Jesuit order, sign the synagogue of Satan, uh, blood sacrifices, and Pro- Project Louis. Hmm. Okay. If you could make a level seven, what would be in that? <laughs> oh, I, I got to critique that, that uh, hierarchy. A lot of that list, like, it was repetitive. Well, I'll say if I'm going to put a, a higher level on that, it would be the realization that it doesn't fall into Christian versus Satan. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I feel like that's a big hang up in the conspiracy community is and and you know i i'm not against christianity i'm historically i'm against what they've done historically for sure i mean everyone should be uh, what the christians have done to a lot of cultures is really brutal but i mean you can't really a lot most cultures you can say that about but back to my point it seems like there's a lot of people who come to conspiracy from christianity and gordon white someone who i just had on the show calls it churchianity because it's really not what Christians preach, if you go back to their own literature, it's this sort of like add-on that's been put on in America by preachers and 
you know, this whole fire and brimstone, the devil's going to get you if you don't follow everything we say and be a good member of the community. You know, that whole thing saved the, yeah. the accent. But yeah, it was, it would be a cool level to think that, oh, the world's like synagogue of Satan and then go above that and realize like, no, it's more like the yin yang here. And these are just the cosmic forces that are constantly at work. There's always going to be destruction and creation constantly causing friction. That's how, in my opinion, the forces of, of the universe operate, you know, it's a constant balance between those two opposites. So I think the, the, the next level of that chart would be like the seven hermetic laws. So, okay, this is, well, there's so much I want to talk about. But, <laughs> so first of all, do you think Satan's real? And second, do you think, who do you think is the Antichrist? And let's say that Christianity isn't, is, isn't real for a second here. And let's say that the, the devil is real and all this shit that these people in, in these secret societies worship. It's not actually real, but... Because they believe it is, it's just as effective. Mm. Mm. So I don't know if that's a question or what, but who do you think of the Antichrist is and do you think the devil's real? Right. Well, you asked me You asked me whether or not I think Satan's real. So I'm going to answer that and then I'll answer the devil one. But also, I like what you just said. I think that's very true. I think consciousness and what we believe and like is inextricable it's absolutely a part of every experience now does that make something less real because just because you believed in it it happened i don't think so i think that just indicates how powerful our minds are and why it's so important to understand these things because what what i've come to understand is there's like a sort of cultural overlay through which you can see the world and that overlay is the same every time like a video game you know, when you see the screen, it's just based on the culture, it changes, you know? So like, you know, you might not call the negative energy in your life a demon if you're in this culture, but if you're in this culture, you would, right? So yeah. I yeah, want to, I agree. I want to answer the question about Satan because, well, there's no definition. I have, I have a book here, Encyclopedia of Occultism. I thought they might have a neat definition of uh, S Satan, but they don't. Everyone's bedside book. <laughs> <laughs> well, Satan, you know, it's to me, it's, uh, you know, it's an amalgamation of ideas and experiences and also literature. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't exist because clearly it does. And it exists in people's lives, especially people like Anton LaVey, who went and made the whole, you know, Satanism thing, which I think, again, I don't agree with it at all because there's some really creepy shit that's going on and really horrendous shit that's going on in the name of that. But if you read that guy's book, he's not actually like advocating for murder, right? So even though murderous people are gravitating towards this weird thing called Satanism, it doesn't seem like beyond Anton LaVey, there is a an actual Satanism, right? It's just a figure in history and specifically mythology. So I think it's like a catch-all term, the same way we would use alien to describe anything that would come out of a flying saucer. Right. Yeah. Do you think they're interdimensional? What do you think? Right. They're 
I think there's I think there's real evil, man. I think that if you if you interact with these multidimensional forces in a way that's irresponsible, you might run into some bad motherfuckers and that could be Satan, you know, like for real. I think there's there's stories of people Alex Jones thinks it's real for sure. Well, dude, Alex Jones is going <laughs> a buck, you know, hundred and fifty after them if he does see them because he's, you know, on I don't know, 50 cc's of Red Bull over there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think it's real and to your point, it's as real as you make it, but what you learn from the occult is like there are rituals to interact with these disembodied beings and what you find out is the people who do these rituals, they usually don't end up uh with great consequences or at least the the ones we hear about i mean for all i know jeff bezos and and bill gates could have done one of these rituals and that's how they got a billion dollars right i don't know but the point is is it seems really risky and it seems really unworth it to do those like satanic uh rituals because it doesn't seem like it's a bargain that you're ever going to win like the whole idea of like selling your soul to the devil you know for rich and fortune, riches and, and fame and fortune, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that it doesn't end well for most celebrities, right? We see a lot of celebrities who sold their soul to the devil die young or, or die from drugs or whatnot. So I don't think that I can ever say, no, it doesn't exist. I think evil exists, man, in the same way that the yin and yang shows that balance. But I don't know little stoned yeah. a little heady <laughs> there was another, like, there's two other questions that you asked me that i want to get to who's the antichrist but before i get into that oh man i just forgot what i was gonna say it has to be with like oh so i i was hearing that literally during nfl games like tom brady's wife is a part of this shit and like cast spells mid-game <laughs> like so i i don't know like maybe there is some benefit to casting spells maybe you'll think about it that's think about it think about a guy like tom brady now i don't know his life i've not read his biography so forgive me if i make any sort of assumptions here but i would assume that a guy like him came from a pretty upstanding wealthy connected family or probably at least his skills were so good that they're like, you need to be in the right school to keep doing this, right? And those schools end up being elite sporting schools. But these elite schools also have groups like Skull and Bones uh, within their realms. Because, you know, Yale isn't the only college that has a secret society like this. Harvard has, you know, the I think they're called like the Porcelain Key Club or something weird like that. And then there's probably one for every Ivy League school and beyond. So I don't know what school Tom Brady graduated from, but I imagine that his wife probably is college educated as well or or comes she's from Brazil. Oh, interesting. Well, if she's from Brazil, <laughs> that she might be doing black magic because there's a lot of there's what they call kimbanda magicians in Brazil and cuz what well what happened with Brazil is a lot of the diaspora from Africa obviously they didn't just forget their culture you know even though the colonists tried to shove christianity down their throats they kept a lot of their culture and if you study like that indigenous diaspora and the blending and you know of their magical arts it kind of includes saints and whatnot, but it also includes what they used to do in indigenous cultures, which is 
little scary to our Western minds, but it's really not all that strange. I mean, it's something that I think human beings have all done, like regardless of culture, is interacted with the universe in a magical way. It's just depending on your culture, you, you use different methods and say different words and take on different practices or roles to to achieve that. But in essence, it's, you know, it's a magical relationship with our world that gives anybody any kind of success. Cause I think that's just the way the universe works. You, you don't have to understand how it works to be successful, but it's that click. It's that sync up that occurs for successful people where they realize, oh, what's happening with magic is actually something everybody's doing in their life, but they're just not aware of it. So they naturally make mistakes. And then there's people who just flow with it and they, they actually are pretty great. But I don't know. Does that answer your question? I, I don't, I've never heard of that, the wife um, of Tom Brady, but I do know that well, in I, Brazil, they have some black magic shit going on. <laughs> I, I want to say it was actually in that guy's like four hour long video when he was just late, like naming everyone who has ties to Freemasonry and right. and the occult in general. And I, and I know that JK Rowling has like a famous tattoo on her arm, basically like that's an actual spell within the Freemasonic literature. And then they were, and then he went on to talk about how Tom Brady's wife like does spells during games. And it was just like, I was like, holy fuck. These people believe it to such an extent. And then there was another like famous woman doing, she had like this big tub of like weird looking black water. And she was like referencing another spell that she was just cleaning up after like a week of doing it. It was fucking nuts. Like if you watch that video, you're going to, I was watching it late at night, like shaking in my best. <laughs> well, it's, it's become, it's become kind of like sadly pop, like to do all this magic stuff, like Demi Lovato and like, what's her name? You know, they, she even Kelly has Freemason shit on all the time. Mm. It's like, I, I well, and I, and I don't know. I had a, I, so I, I, I had an uncle okay. who was a 33rd degree Mason, great uncle. He was a green beret. And my, and I didn't know this, my cousin told me, cause he said he saw him one night walk by his bed as a ghost. And then he didn't know who he was. And he told his dad in the morning and then he went down to the basement and there was just a photo of this guy. And he's like, oh my God, that's the guy I saw. And then it just came out and then I, I'm like, it turned out he was a 33rd degree mace. <laughs> he served the queen. And I, I was just like, what the fuck? So my cousin was telling me that basically, like, if you sell your soul, you're stuck in this realm forever. Mm. Is that real? Well, <laughs> they were just talking about that on Tinfall Hat in a way, talking about how ghosts, the difference between residual hauntings. And so I think, I think there is something to that, you know. I don't know if it means selling your soul through an organization like Freemasonry, it's totally possible, but there's something that happens between dying and being dead, where your soul leaves your body and is supposed to go through what's called the science of Bardo, right? And this is a subject that I learned about and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, this is probably like five or six years ago I started reading about this, but in Tibet, the uh, monks and the shamans and, you know, the spiritual people, I don't know their exact denominum, but they have this science of bardo, right? 
And if you buy the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you can read a little bit about this. But they talk about how when your body dies, your soul leaves, you go towards this white light, you have a life review, you know, you, you see everything that you did right, you see everything you did wrong, you see everything you could have done, and then you're, you know, you're kind of left to, you know, do whatever. And then eventually you choose to go back into a human body. And Sam Tripoli talks about this all the time because it's the only part he remembered when he learned about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. But you choose your, your next life based on, you know, how your parents, your new parents are fucking what their fuck style is. So you kind of <laughs> kind of creep into, uh, you kind know, weird. Right. I don't know how true that is, but it does kind of show you that even in ancient cultures, they were thinking about, you know, the spirit body and the difference between the two and what happens after death. And, and they even kind of maybe sussed out a whole process. That to me is always fascinating because I like to go back and find old ancient examples because you can't trust stuff in the past hundred years. I mean, that's just, I always have like a much larger grain of salt for anything that came out in the past hundred years compared to something that came out that far back. What that says about me, I don't know. But as far as like somebody becoming a Freemason and then their soul getting trapped in this plane, there's a lot of uh, ritual that those people do that, yeah, maybe could do that. I've also heard that people who become like alcoholics that same thing happens. Like they're so in love with alcohol and that bar that they go to or, or their particular ritual, you know, maybe they go to a store to buy alcohol that after they die, their spirit, their ghost will haunt that same sort of bar or that same like road to, to get the beer. So I think anything that you do with enough and if you think about a military person, like they are very dedicated to a certain, you know, set of rituals they might not think of them as rituals but like dressing up and like you know putting on your boots and doing the whole like you know marching in motion like that's a ritual like you know right. like yeah, yeah. and they do that like with you know a lot of pride and and make sure that they do it right and correctly each time at precision precision that's the word i'm looking for so with that in mind i could see that happening where someone who's really uh, like a really dedicated military man gets left in his body. I don't know. I mean, or in the purgatory realm, I guess that's kind of how I heard it described recently, but it's not purgatory. Like Christians talk about where it's like, Oh, you, you go there and you never leave. It's, it's like an in-between stage. So maybe there is something that we're doing here in the earthly plane. That's allowing that to happen where ghosts are kind of getting trapped in that liminal space and they're not able to move on to their, you know, next incarnation because maybe like Wi-Fi or something, they get stuck in the yeah. Wi-Fi field yeah. and then they're haunting your house for 20 years until the Wi-Fi gets shut off. That's hilarious. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Can you imagine just like all the 5G towers and just trapping everyone's ghosts now? That's, that's, I mean, that's probably why they set them up in schools. They want haunted schools. That Okay, <laughs> crazy. Well, I was, I was, I was in touch with a girl who worked for AT&T in 2020 when this all went down and she was like, yeah, we've been putting 5G towers in schools now that the kids are all out of school because they sent everybody home for COVID around that time. Like they got like an extra two months off that summer in the States. 
And I thought that was really strange that the phone companies were all ready to go and set them all up with the 5G, you know, a smart learning centers. It's like, come on. And now the kids are having heart attacks in class. It's like, yeah, because they're fucking guinea pigs running around in a hyperstatic electro room. Like there's like lightning bolts shooting out of the computer. We're shit, yeah, they're shoving shit in their skin. We're shoving, we're blasting yeah. shit out of their skin. Yeah. We're really getting our kids a good future. <laughs> well, you know, survival of the fittest, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, fuck, this is a stupid little off, like offhand to that. My dad, obviously old guy in Florida, probably getting upsold. We get a new 5G fucking router put in and it, it's the exact same speed as their 2.4. I'm like, what is the benefit of how I got it fucking taken out and I got the old one put back in. I'm like, what? What is the benefit of this? Yeah. Like I, with the 2.4, you're still getting like almost 500 megabytes of upload and download speed. Like what are you sending? Yeah. Where you need a gigabyte, two gigabytes, you know, like what do we have that that's fucking needed? Yeah. I, I, it makes me think of that like metaverse art that they showed in the Facebook presentation where it's like this big, like worm looking thing, like a parasite. And they're like, look how cool it is. It's 3D street art, you know? And, and you're like, what the, f who made that? It's like a gross, like stomach parasite, you know, with eighties colors, like flying out of a wall. But when I look at that and then I try to imagine what that 5G electro field looks like, what if information is literally flowing through that energy field like a big worm looking parasite and like you're just standing in your living room like, hey, mom, and like a fucking energy parasite that's your sister's like, you know, selfies getting, yeah, yeah homework yeah. getting downloaded like it goes through your kidneys or something like, you know, like I think yeah, that's, that's what true. we're heading towards. We just don't have the like goggles to see it happening yet. You know, that would be fucking crazy when you make goggles <laughs> that you can actually see the information traveling around. Ah, well, that's the metaverse. What if that's the metaverse? I mean, maybe that's why maybe. they want it to be 5G because they can they can send like this field and put this field around you easier, you know. That would be fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, I've heard the conspiracy that space is actually like a dense liquid. I don't know if that, my girlfriend is a, has a PhD in radio chemistry. So she's a legit scientist. So maybe me talking about this isn't the best idea because she'll be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You might not want to bring this up with her. That's not good pillow talk. Yeah. Well, that was actually going back to the first part of this conversation like of the podcast was how I really knew that this was like not actually about your health was she didn't want to take this thing, the job, and she couldn't get work. And she was at like one of the biggest power plants in Ontario doing like the science for like a cancer portion of that. So when that got in the way of keeping on like a smart mind, I knew I was like, okay, this right. isn't good. <laughs> this is way beyond about your health and look, uh, it's rain true. So, right. Yeah. I actually have a, a, a patron that used to work for big pharma and quit her high paying job to be a, a housewife or I don't. And, and I think she runs her own business actually. Shout out to. Ah, fuck it. 
Shout out to L. She gave me essential oils. They're somewhere in my cabinet. But <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of people that that's happened to. And it's it's funny that like the average person doesn't see that like the fact that all of the nurses don't want to get the vaccine is a red flag. It's like they're like, oh, yeah, the hospitals are understaffed. But why are they understaffed? Not because all the nurses have COVID, because the nurses don't want to be forced to get the vax. That should tell everybody the message loud and clear. And like the hospitals were all empty too two years ago. But but yeah, I mean, to to your point about the space being a liquid, because I think that's much more enticing of an idea. Uh, I would recommend checking out Crow Triple Seven and his lunar wave footage where he finds like yeah I heard that podcast that's where I kind of got the idea right yeah. I'm sure but Crow's video on the the lunar wave when you see it if you maybe you saw it but it's it's pretty cool like I mean it's hard to explain I'm not a camera expert so maybe you you said you work with cameras so maybe you might have seen your your like the technical error that might cause that to happen but crow seems to be, be pretty a shutter it could be a shutter speed thing yeah shutters cause ripples like if i were to film that tv behind us at the wrong shutter you would see waves coming through the tv that the eye can't see right now with that in mind the tv is kind of like a like like you wouldn't expect the moon to behave the same way a TV would, right? And create those ripples. So I wonder what it is about the moon, unless it's just a. Technical... I gotta see the footage because yeah. I think light it has waves, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just one linear, right? So this light is putting off a certain wavelength. So you're capturing the wavelength. If you change your shutter, I didn't see the footage, so I don't know. I'm just right. guessing. If you change the 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 shutter of your camera you might pick up the certain wavelengths that are being emitted. Right. Well, I definitely think you should look it up because it's, it's interesting, you know, again, not a, not a computer camera expert, but he uses a telescope and a camera to, to do that. And it's fascinating. I mean, I think the, the idea that space is fake, I'm not into that. I don't, I'm not, yeah. I don't believe in the dome. Do how hard that is? To, to fake that and how much less interesting it is to think that it is fake right like we, we're, we're really like just guinea pigs at that point in like a hamster cage you know yeah yeah and think about how many people dedicated their entire lives to researching it and i mean well people have dedicated their lives to a lot of things that have been ended up being negative so i guess that's a bad for yeah. but depending I, on what documentary you watch on Netflix, you can see a lot oh, of. <laughs> you can, if I have to li listen to one more person tell like reference a Netflix documentary facts, I'm gonna fucking blow my head off. <laughs> like, oh man! I, the other day I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and they were just like, "Yeah, like the big problem with uh, viruses spreading around the world is 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 factory farming, and like that's part of the reason why COVID got out and all this shit." I'm like. Well, that, see, that's the problem right there. Like, just that mindset, I get factory farming is terrible. Like, I'm not a, a, a big advocate for that. Like, we should be much better at how we farm. The first problem with factory farming is Bill Gates owns all the fucking farmland in the U.S., so that's a big issue. And secondly, we all know that fucking Fauci was funding the research out of, what is that lab in the U.S.? It was Fort Diedrich. Yeah, and then he moved it to Wuhan. Like right. the, the 
the ideology that this is still animal related or like that it broke in just some bad or a fucking movie is just so old. And like to use some Netflix documentary to back that, like I, I just can't, I can't even have the conversations anymore because people are so, you get to a point where like you've heard so many mind bending shows with like yours, Sam's, just people who are like willing to think alternatively that like when you meet, like when you just talk to someone who uses fucking CNN or a Netflix as their basis for understanding the world you 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 know like you're almost like wow like we're in trouble <laughs> right right yeah it's this you know it's it's foolishness it's shallowness but you know everybody's on their own path and i think that the truth is is when you're like doing this long enough because you know it's funny i just had a conversation with the loomis from chanted down radio and he's been doing his podcast for like seven years like well, now nine years because it's 2022. And he's, he's, you know, kind of seems like he's a little disenfranchised <laughs> with podcasting even now because he's very anti-system. But it was cool to talk to him. And one of the things that he told me is like, yeah, man, I love the name of your show because it reminds me of something that uh, I forget who he said called it this, but the bullhorning phase, like when you learn all this stuff, you just want to tell everybody about it. And then you realize like nobody cares, or at least the people in your immediate uh, surroundings don't. So the podcast has been a blessing because during my bullhorning phase, I kind of had a whole bunch of people to talk to about it. And then they kind of cooled my head because I'm like, oh, wow. All right. People get it. You know, like I have people listening to my show huge amount of people listen to Sam's show. So it's pretty obvious that we're not alone in thinking this, but then I get kind of caught up in like nitpicking other people's perspectives, which I don't ever want to do because I think everybody will come to their own truth or figure out the truth on their own with the right preparation. And I can only do that for myself, really. You know, if I, I see Oh, good. It's good. Go on. Continue. Sorry. No, it's all right. I was going to say I can only do that for myself. But if people listen to the show and, and, you know, get a certain clue or a hint from me, that's great. But I don't ever want the show to be like, well, if you don't agree with us, then you're out of here. Like, this is the only truth on the podcasting space, you know, because we're all just trying to crowdsource this research together. That's how I feel. I do see. I do agree with um, not trying to force your opinions and point of views but the problem is when the other side is forcing it to such a drastic point where now in canada in quebec they're talking about not allowing you to buy weed or alcohol from stores anymore if you're not jabbed that's when it's like okay now when's the time to push back you know like when is the time how long are you going to be allowed to or how long should you be willing to just take the shit before you go you know what like fuck you this is gonna get do you want to get down and dirty? Let's get it down and dirty and like, let's do good out. But like, oh, well, what I'm trying to say is how long do you just take it before you go enough's enough? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I, again, as an American, I don't feel like I'm, I'm under those same pressures because for whatever reason, and our president sucks right now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, fuck him. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. <You're paying? laughs> so, so like, you know, it's definitely not easy. Gas prices are going up and all that, but there is a certain, certain complacency here that maybe pushes yeah. us not to riot. But yeah, I can see where, you know, them starting to restrict your 
cannabis and alcohol purchases, that might cause some riots for sure. I mean, geez. It won't because everyone who's cool left. Mm. Well, that's what happened in L.A., Sam was saying. It's like all maybe or I actually no. Greg was saying this. He's like, you know, somebody got elected into his local office in San Diego. And he was like, you know, maybe this freaking Newsom hand puppet wouldn't have gotten elected if all the cool people didn't move to Texas because that's what happened in California, you know, and I kind of feel uh, like all the New York people moved to my state. So like things have gone up over here. There's less places that are available for me to rent because I've been looking for a new apartment and it just seems like it's fucking the worst time to do that. Or, right. you know, so, so yeah, it's definitely not easy, but I think, I think the, what might be really cool to see is like, I don't know if you remember the yellow jacket movement and like everything that was going on in 2019. I feel like you guys in the EU and Canada and Australia, you know, even though things are more Orwellian there, you you do have this sense of like, well, we are not going to take it. Like as much as Alex Jones likes to say Americans have that sense, like I would disagree. I think you guys do more so because, and again, you're not in Canada right now anymore, but, but yeah, I think that if something's going to happen, it's going to happen with those boys i would i would say that that mindset is big in europe Mm. europe has a lot more of a fuck you attitude canada does not canada is so compliant like it's scary Um, the best lie that was ever told to canadians was to the nicest people of the world because it's so compliant like it's really insane yeah yeah well my grandma's kind of like that i'll i'll say she was born in canada but she spent most of her life here in the states but yeah, she she doesn't really question the authority. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like there's something to that. It, yeah, you know, they don't like British people too much though, because they're French. That was that was the one thing I learned about. It's like there's this kind of weird British versus French thing going on up in Canada, and everybody versus the Red Man. <laughs> but Quebec wanted to like break away from Canada forever. Like they were, there were moments like pretty frequently where they were like, let's just break away. I wish the U.S. would swallow Canada. I want to. Is there a big French resistance from, from this in Quebec or are they all just. It was like a video of like 40 people marching last night. (laughs) Wow. That's about it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They were out after curfew, just getting arrested. So. Damn. Yeah. that's, Um, That's fucking stupid. We had a curfew here. I did not respect it at all, but there's nowhere to go. Like I don't live in like a city where you can like go to a park and like hang out. Like they're, what are they going to pull me over after midnight? Cause I'm driving oh, to the station. It could be a big resistance thing, but it's like, I'm a homebody. I like right. staying home. I'm like, fuck, I wish I wanted to go out and, and just disobey, but I just didn't have it in me. I was like, I'd rather just leave and live somewhere warm. Mm, yeah. I, I remember having that same feeling like back in 2012 with the Occupy Wall Street. Like they were all, they were all like protesting on the green. And I'm like, this is cool, but I don't want to like sleep in a tent in the middle of the city. Like I'm just going to go home and like, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I didn't like go with that whole thing. And I'm glad I didn't because it ended up being definitely uh controlled opposition for sure. But Okay, yeah. So well, the one question I I feel like people will be jumping through the screen and is I asked who the antichrist do you think Oh you yeah. Matter? So Elon Musk? I well, you, you know, know he, he makes sense. 
I, I I hate to be like a wet blanket on this, but the whole idea of the Antichrist comes from Nostradamus and and Nostradamus was kind of a fucking nut job. And also like a lot of the literature that was written about him was written by other nut jobs. So it's like a really like nutty bowl of soup, like and I don't I don't pretend to like think that there was anything like historically accurate about that. So you know, and that goes to my point again about Napoleon uh, Bonaparte, because they say that Napoleon was one of the antichrists in that whole scheme. It's like Napoleon, then Hitler. And, you know, Hitler makes sense. When you hear that, you're like, oh, okay, of course he was a antichrist. But like, you know, that there's going to be a third one on the way, like, I don't know, Charles <laughs> Manson, like <laughs> Trudeau, like, I don't know, you know, like there's, there's, there's definitely. The whole ship in the head thing is like mm-hmm. the main argument for Elon, right? Well, you know, the mark of the beast in the Bible, again, not the biggest fan of the historical Christianity, but I think there's a lot of value in the Bible. And it's interesting. I was just doing some research on lithium and how they're going to use lithium in these brain chips. And this Bible quote sounds almost like lithium poisoning. They're like, it'll be given the mark of the beast and boils will begin to fester under the skin. And through those boils, demons will, you know, sow their seeds and, and be born inside of a human or something to that effect. Right. And it just sounds really weird in conjunction with the lithium brain chips, because lithium has that kind of caustic acidic effect on your body. If it goes into your skin, you know, it's not, it's not totally incompatible with your biology, but it can cause those symptoms I read, like boils and whatnot. So the fact that it says that in the Bible, and then that also matches up with what we, you know, it's consistency, right? I, I think that's an indicator of something. I don't know. I'm certainly not going to get it. So hopefully that means my soul uh, goes on and, and I get incarnated into a new person one day and, and in the future matrix. So I'll be even more fucked and more trapped, but yeah. <laughs> well, when I was making like way back when this was all first starting, I was like melting down. I was like, can you stop with like prepping us with these like jabs and just put the chip right in my fucking head already? <laughs> you know, because you figure the people who are getting like, oh yeah, I, I trust Big Pharma. And like now they're going to, and those are going to be the first people to get a chip in their head for sure. And the, the gamers too, as soon as they find out that they can like, you know, use this to level up in their games or, you know, that augmented reality that they're falling in love with, like that's all hand in hand with the Oculus stuff. You know, it's just, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they have a contact lens that shows you, you know, your social media notifications, like right there in front of your face, you know? And the craziest thing is like, Man, I'm so excited because I, I I never talk to someone who knows so much shit, but you you watch the conditioning. And if you watch, like a lot of the movies that were coming out two, three, four years ago were like high resolution, augmented reality. Like I forget what movie, what it was like. Ready was Player it? One. Yeah, Ready Player. Like I was like, oh, this is an amazing movie. But now you look at it like, holy shit, this is just literally conditioning. Right. So I, I, it's just crazy how good they are, the elites, at conditioning the well, masses. And, and when we say the elites, you know, again, it goes back to that, like, simplification. Everybody wants a simple right. answer. And sadly, 
that would just lead to a simple conclusion. And these people don't want simple, you know, they don't want to be messed with and, you know, they go through great lengths to make sure that their plans go untouched, right? So they're never simple. I think that's like one of the big pitfalls with conspiratorial thinking is like, it has to be the Freemasons because that seems like a, a simple conclusion. But with the movie thing, it's like, you know, think about the idea of become. I mean, your guy has cameras. I know you know how expensive some good quality cameras are. Like there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to become a director, to to make a movie in general, you know, you need a lot of funding. So I think what happens is, is yes, like there are artistic people who make movies and whatnot, but for the most part, there are sort of like this group maybe of connected, we'll say directors who get scripts from the CIA or get scripts from the NSA or whoever is putting out these scripts that say like, Hey, this is where the trends are. You know, and they might not realize that what they're getting is propagandized. They are just thinking like, oh, these guys are in the know. This is a government agency, yeah. you know, and they, they're going to, they're only going to fund my movie project if I go with this, because, you know, the projected trends of what people are interested in, it's kind of like a, a reverse thing, you know, and they, the director might think that they're like, oh, well, this is what people are into. This is what we need to make the film about. But it works in that reverse way where people are like, kind of then programmed predictively to live in this new world that's being created with those trend trackers, which is really just a synonym for, you know, government agency that creates predictive programming propaganda, you know, that's it. And it's like, that's not even a crazy argument because if you look at like the sixties and all the bands coming out, right. like the CIA was heavily involved with those. So Right. To fit, like to not think that the, they're heavily involved in Hollywood and the predictive programming that gets shot through that. I mean, well, I mean, I was listening to a podcast with Disney the other day, too. Just like the shit, the magical shit he's putting, he was putting out. And mm. it's actually insane. Well, and there's something to that with the occult, you know, milieu when you use that as your motif for your movie or your story doesn't mean you're evil you know it means you're trying it's kind of like why george lucas based star wars off of the hero's journey because there's something archetypical about certain symbols that resonate with us on a subconscious level and you know for lack of a creativity maybe certain creative types go for those impressions because it adds power. It adds like momentum to your artwork. And it, it isn't uncreative. I think it's like, it's like taking, putting your take on the myths, right? So Disney, when he makes like some kind of film that has occult symbolism in it, it's almost like his take on the myth. And yes, that myth has some momentum to it. It might have some predictive programming mixed in as well, but I don't know if it's so much like that Disney's like casting spells. When you look at the like, you know, weird stuff with like the penises in the Little Mermaid and like it says sex in the sky in the Lion King film or the Lion King cartoon, you know, that that's shady. That's weird. I'm not talking about yeah. that. I'm talking about like Fantasia, like one of the first visual sort of movies that Disney put out. You know, it's not necessarily that they're trying to put someone under a spell because they're evil and they're, you know, casting a spell. 
they are casting a spell, but it's more for like commercialistic reasons. Like how can we sell the most, how can we sell the most tickets, Jack? You know, in that like 1950, well, I heard that Houdini had uh, these special tricks, you know? And so it just seems like mad men kind of like, well, what's going to work, you know? And, and that, that led to them fusing all this occult symbol into the early movie industry because that's what was really popular in the 1800s with the spiritualism and the theosophy and the freemasons and all these different groups that had these sort of links to ancient culture with the myths and the occult and all that stuff okay and that so another question i have just moving on i'm just going to hammer questions at you. i love it <laughs> if you were to relate this time to any time in history what would you say is the best match? Mm. So I think, you know, we're in like the Kali Yuga is what it's called. And something that I learned about is like the cycles of time goes like lead to bronze to silver to gold, right? Either in that order or reversed. So I would say we're kind of in that lead age that leads to gold, you know, like, because it kind of goes from gold silver right then lead so it's like a de-evolution and then that lead gets transmuted into gold so you know i don't know if that's going to make sense to anyone who doesn't know alchemy stuff but but i i kind of i just i you know i think we're in a time where the worst is about to happen but it's going to make way for something better than we've experienced because you got to keep in mind we're coming out of the age of Pisces, the age of duality, the age of sort of like the yin yang behind me, right? And and we're heading into I'm the Pisces. So that's really okay. Well, I'm a Pisces rising, so there's there's a little connection between us. But but yeah, the the Piscean energy is kind of a dualistic energy, and now that we're heading into the Aquarian age, where you know Aquarius is symbolized by like the water pour, kind of feels like water is an analogy or a metaphor for like information, like the, like the interconnectedness of everything. And when we pour that water into, let's say, you know, an area the, that needs water, all the dirt, the mud, it gets raised to the surface, all those things that were hidden come to the surface, you know, and that's kind of like what's happening right now in our times it's like this water is being poured on everybody collectively in the consciousness and that's the internet and we're seeing like all the worst is getting like sifted up to the top but then it kind of like settles down and the water becomes clear again right so i i know that's not answering your question the the way you might have expected but that's the best i like it that's the best i could do (laughs) yeah i so i don't know if you ever saw this but it was like Jesse Ventura doing some conspiracy show and he had this doctor fly in from Panama and she left because she was talking about some mass calling. I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it's, it got taken off of all the major networks and you have to like look on like this. She was just like, she talks about it. This is when Jesse did that TV show, right? Yeah. 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 And this doctor is basically just like, she, she said she was, working for one of the high ups in the government and the high and this person looked at them and she's like oh like the mass calling is coming and this was back in like 2011 and so this doctor just left and moved to panama 
because she was worried about the calling and the and it coming through a vaccination and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so if you watch this clip, you, you'll get a better understanding. But do you think, do you believe in your heart of hearts that we are in the middle of a mass calling? Yeah. And I'll say that because, you know, you know, like I said, towards the beginning, living near New Haven, Yale University, I've met a lot of those doctor, surgeon, medical people types. And oh, again, this is a huge stereotype. I've, I've run into some of these like clinical type people who just have this sort of cold approach to their job where like the empathy that you might expect from their position is like gone, you know? So that to me, it, it just felt robotic, you know, meeting people like that. And those are the people that are moving in lockstep with this thing. And it doesn't surprise me that that was going on in 20, you know, 2009, because <laughs> This is a long-term plan. I remember our, I think, sophomore year of high school, we got an extra two weeks off of spring break because of the H1N1 swine flu thing. And everybody like was just like, what the hell is swine flu? Like we were all making jokes and like one like kid got it, but that kid was sick all the time anyways. You know, like that was like the yeah. weird kid who didn't even come to regular classes, you know? <laughs> so... It was just like, they, I saw this coming, like where they were pushing this sort of narrative really slowly and in spurts, you know, sporadically so that they kind of prepped us for this, what we're in now. Because I think what happened over the past 10 years is you'd have like certain people get pushed towards that hypochondriac germ sort of theory mindset and to extremes so that when this came along, there are already a bunch of people who had kind of like role played this scenario in their mind. So they, you know, fit right into place in this new narrative of the COVID pl pandemic world, you know, like that health inspector, I was sort of given an anecdote about at the farmer's market. That was in 2019, you know, none of us, what COVID was back then. We had heard of like all the other ones, swine flu and bird flu and all the other things that were supposed to be deadly pandemics that would kill everyone. But it was kind of taken as a joke because like, you know, only really people who weren't taking care of their health in the first place would fall victim to something like that. Right. So it's like somebody like myself who tries to maintain like a healthy diet and a healthy, positive mindset, I never felt afraid of anything like that. You know, just germ theory or terrain theory. I didn't even realize there was a difference. I just thought, you know, instinctively, oh, I don't need to worry about that. I'm a healthy person, you know, but there are some people who just don't have that. Unfortunately, they do not have that and they bow down to medical authority, you know, and, and sadly there are people in my family who are very sick, you know, like my grandfather's had cancer multiple times. And if he had only smoked a joint with me, maybe he'd feel a little better, but he's so against marijuana that like, you know, he'll, he'd rather get radiation to uh, fix his, fix his cancer, you know? So, right. so I think they've been setting the table for this for many, many, many decades. You, you do believe that this is like legit mass? Well, it, it it could be, but it's also like what I joked about with the survival of the fittest thing. Like they want to, it's eugenicism, you know, they want to create a world where it's more homogenized. They, they want people to be less diverse. 
And that's what's so strange about all this diversity stuff that they're pushing in the media. It, it's, it's almost like they're trying to subvert people away from that type of thinking because <clears throat> at the same time that, you know, a literal eugenics program is being pushed on every single person, they're also saying how we need to be more inclusive and we need to make sure that the minorities get the vaccine. And, it, you know, it's like this interesting, like, doublespeak. You know, and right. I, I think the truth is, is that if anything, people who are not white have the most to lose. And sadly, you know, I'm just a white guy talking about it, so I don't expect them to listen to me. But, you know, that's the that's what it looks like to me, quite honestly. And I hope I don't offend anybody with that because it comes from the bottom of my heart. But, you know, the the truth is, is that there are people in the. 19th and 20th century who went on record saying that you know white people and these are rich people too these aren't just like whack jobs like in the kkk they want you to think that you know that's what white supremacy is they were like the heads of planned parenthood and yeah these are these are wealthy industrial you know ceos and, and founders of big groups and organizations movers and shakers as they said in the night early 1900s you know yeah. these people we're all eugenicists and they were all part of this sort of racist uh, ideology that, you know, white people were superior to every other race. And they even had this bogus science of phrenology that showed you like, you know, oh, well, see how big a white person's skull is compared to, you know, this person. That must mean that our brains. Like, it made a name of someone who was in that. A name of somebody who was a part of Genesis? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Bill Gates' dad like in it? Wasn't he? Well, I don't, I don't know all these names off the top of my head, but I can say like Charles Darwin. Darwin was definitely a part of it. Like that whole. Right. Let, me, let me Google it. I, I'll, I'll go on the spot. I mean, I just don't have it off the top of my head. I know Sam always talks about specific people. I'm just trying to remember like some of the names because I know you are right. Like there, like you, like you hear some of the names, you're like, holy fuck. Yeah, it's interesting. Like eugenics is considered discrimination and it's literally what the vaccines are while everybody is saying oh we need to end discrimination police are discriminating it's just it's just bullshit but i mean yeah bill gates is definitely connected let's see yeah here we go 21 historical supporters of eugenics that may shock you we got a list we got a list here luke don't worry Oh, it's one of these weird websites where you have to click, to click the arrows to see. Anyway, we don't need to like, I, I know about Bill Gates. I think he was like, his dad was heavy into it. So, right. Well, we got Theodore Roosevelt, Alexander Graham Bell, Helen Keller, Winston Churchill, Margaret Keller, Margaret Sanger, W.E.B. Du Bois, who is a African-American person. Keep in mind, Clarence Darrow, George Bernard Shaw. Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jacques Cousteau. What? I like Jacques Cousteau. John Harvey Kellogg. Plato was a eugenicist. William William Beveridge. William Beveridge. Did they name the beverage after this guy? And what is what is eugenics to its core? It's the idea that one group of of human beings is superior to another, and and that they would you know exterminate or select for the best human beings. It's, you know, it's just- It's, it's just 
an attempt at scientifically justifying racism. That's what it is. Yeah. See how stupid that is, though. Like the only reason your payment changes is just where you are on the globe for right. like thousands of years, and that's it. Like it, it, it really is not easy. Are you <laughs> so stupid? Well, we both have we both have red hair. It, mine's harder to notice, but yeah. we both have red hair, so I don't know where that says we're from. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all it is is a geographic indication. It's like literally nuts. These people have lost their minds. Well, okay. I'm just going to kind of like read through this list of extra stuff I had here. Let's get it. Uh, have, you, have you heard about China creating a fake sun? And there's a news article going around. They just lit it up and it was like five times as powerful as the normal sun. Have you seen that? Oh. Yeah, it's really a fake sun in China. So they're just going to they're going to have like an extra growing season now. <laughs> I guess I guess that's what they're going for. They're never going to have winter ever again in China. <laughs> okay, to kind of go off of that, do you think that these countries really act as individual countries, or do you think they're a lot more connected than we think? Like, I get that China is a communist country. Same with Russia. The U.S. is capitalist but do you actually think at the end of the day like they're a lot more intertwined and do a lot more to benefit the leaders of each one than we think yeah i I absolutely think that i think there are you know to the point we were making before about the freemasons there are groups within groups within groups and that like center group that's really controlling the way the other two groups on the outside portion of the diagram operate you know that inner circle is always way way ahead of the 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 you know the rest of us so they're not limited to borders they're not limited to countries that's just how they keep us in you know in line so no i don't i don't think it's that simple i think what's a good indication of that is you know the bush's relationship with china like you saw george bush senior was the ambassador of china he was also in the cia so you know and then he was the president of the united states then his son was the president of the united states when 911 happened so you know and now their son's great friends with ellen so that's good <laughs> yeah and he's a painter too so <laughs> check out his his cute art <laughs> yeah but yeah no the they're all scumbags and the inner circles. It's just, it's the same games they've been playing since they told us that they had the divine right to rule. You know, the kings of Babylon were chosen by the gods. It's that same thing. It's the bloodline. And, you know, China has their own game too, because they have dynasties. They have, you know, groups that have existed in the shadows, like the, what is their, their gang? The triads is kind of like a, prototypical CIA group. So I don't think that it's limited to country. I think like if anything, the smaller countries with the most resources kind of get bullied the most. And then like other countries kind of like realize the game and try to fall in line. You just shared that link with me. Let me see. Yeah. Hot to straw. China fires a artificial sun seven times warmer than the real sun to make unlimited energy and wants to make it hotter. Well, I love that this comes from the sun.com. Is this from the Phoenix region? <laughs> Damn. I was expecting this to be like a satellite. What it, 
What do they, how do they expect to do this from the ground? I have no clue. <laughs> it looks like a big vat. Like yeah, uh, it looks like they're going to be brewing beer from the in this thing. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, it reminds me of like I don't know if you've seen Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby's like they just put a fake heart in some guy from China. <laughs> Did he live? No, but I figure technology. I'll be able to live three hundred years old. <laughs> like okay, it's like cool. They can make a fake sun and some that thing, but it's like. How far away are we actually from being sun? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't even know what this thing's supposed to do. But yeah, wow, that's crazy. I mean, Tesla built the Wardenclyffe Tower, and I just found out last night that it's like literally right across Long Island Sound from where I grew up. So I don't know if that affects me at all, but I'm probably like absorbing some kind of weird military radio frequency uh, oh, yeah. you get darpa technology shot in you yeah but no that's so, that's really interesting thanks for showing me this to go off of that i don't know i wanted to do this before the episode but i just couldn't push myself to do it because the movie probably fucking sucks but remember the unfortunate truth the movie that, it was how old are you you're 27 mm-hmm. yeah you're in my age so when we were in high school, I remember in science class, there was the movie, The Unfortunate Truth, and it was like a documentary about climate change. And it was made by the guy who ran against Bush. What's his name? Oh, Al Gore. Gore. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, he just makes predictions about where the climate's going to be in, by, by like 2020. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. I think one of them was literally like, like, Ten percent of Florida would be underwater, like just some, and like so a lot of the mountains you reference wouldn't have like snow on them anymore. But this is this like I'm not denying climate change, you know. Like I'm not saying like humans haven't fucked up the Earth, but I think like a lot of the grand things like we're causing more hurricanes and shit. Like to me, that's just a bit far fetched. Like the fact that we're polluting and overfishing the ocean. Yeah, that's true. Most likely. But like to think that like humans are causing bigger cyclones and shit, knowing that like DARPA, it is a major player in like engineering weather. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's just a lot of thing. Like most people don't know. And like, I remember watching Tinfoil Hat. And the one thing that was shocking to me was the fact that, like, the head of the CIA basically admitted that they're purposely spreading chemtrails around to control the weather. Whereas, like, most people don't even know that that's like a, a dialogue going on, but it's like they're just openly admitting it, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, to what I was mentioning before about the Wardenclyffe Tower, they were figuring out how to cause earthquakes with that technology that Tesla was tapping into. So if they could start an earthquake, if they could start a hurricane or a tsunami, that would explain a lot. I mean, look at what happened to Japan with their whole nuclear uh, reactor that they had there, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows? That could have been a covert attack. Maybe somebody in certain government wasn't happy with Japan having that, <clears throat> China, and then they caused that to happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. The technology is like, how, what level of technology do these governments have that we're just not, they like, we're just not aware of, 
you right. know. Well, and that brings me to to mention the books I've been looking into by Walter Bosley because he talks about how they used to have these zeppelins, actually, like the one on that little like sign right there, the zeppelin. Here, let me grab it. Okay. Zeppelins, you know, they were saying basically how they were invented in the 1840s or something like that. So by 1940s, when Roswell happened, they could have evolved that technology from that huge Zeppelin to a tiny little flying saucer. And Walter talks about how it's this whole group of Germans that lived in America who were building this technology and they're like a breakaway civilization completely outside of mainstream technology. And with that in mind, considering that happened before the Nazis, it's like, huh, maybe that's how the Nazis went and escaped after World War II because they had all these weird breakaway civilizations uh, of Germans in South America that they were able to just go and hide away within, you know? Right. So... Really strange stuff. And I talked to another guy named Chaz who actually went to South America researching, you know, old Nazi bases and whatnot. And this story of this group called the Friendship that is like a weird sort of seemingly alien, seemingly maybe even neo-Nazi like group of people who live off the island, this island off the coast of Chile, right? So they're, right. they're like strange breakaway civilizations out there that just aren't connected with the rest of the world. So what kind of technology do you need to even, you know, be out there outside of, you know, trade and like, obviously you can get, you know, food, right? Conceivably anybody could do that self-sufficiently in the right environment, but things like platinum that these people have, you know, like how are you mining huge amounts of platinum if you don't have like modern technology, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you questions. <laughs> Ton of questions. I, I'm I'm full of them too. So, do you believe that the U.S. has like a ton of underground bases and mm. and, and like places where like elites hide and do say like I I couldn't even I don't even know how to properly word the question because it could be such a mixture of different people that are using these like hideouts and and testing facilities and yeah like. Like, do you believe that that's happening? Yeah. Well, you said you, you drove your Mazda from Canada to Florida, right? Well, yeah, I, I sh had it shipped. I didn't drive it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because then you, you might have gone through the Appalachian Mountains if you did, but there are a bunch of underground bases in like Virginia and North Carolina, South Carolina, all like within, you know, hours helicopter from Washington, D.C., you know, so... Yeah, there's a lot of strange military bases in, in those states, in the Appalachian Mountains. I think anywhere where there's mountain ranges, you'll have these weird military bases that have, like, you know, secret doors that look like the side of a mountain and, you know, trucks. There's stories of hikers, like, seeing trucks drive, you know, on this weird road that they didn't even see because it's so remote. And then they, like, all park and then go into the side of a mountain and then like the mountain closes, right? So there's definitely uh, weird stories of underground bases where the military's concerned. And even like, you know, we know like, I think it's uh, Black Mountain or something they call it, or Iron Mountain. And 
that's where they have this big like place for the president. If anything ever happened to the White House, you know, the president apparently can drive underground in Washington, D.C. to this tunnel that'll take him to another tunnel that'll then take him to this like mountain underground base in, you know, 20, 30 miles outside of D.C. So there's a lot of rumors about stuff like that. In my own area, uh, Yale University has an extensive tunnel system under the city of New Haven. And, you know, a lot of the Tartaria researcher people talk about underground structures because of the whole mud flood thing. And I think it's interesting, but really uh, what I heard was they built these tunnels in the 1800s because they just didn't have like what we have now to move snow. So when it snowed, people were fucked. Like they didn't have, you know, big plastic shovels or, or plows and things like that. So instead of, you know, trudging through the snow in the winter, a place like Yale University would make like underground tunnels for their students to go from building to building in the winter. Now they don't really use them for that anymore because we have those snow plows and whatnot, but they're still there. And one of my friends, my mentor, Amos, who taught me all this conspiracy, spiritual Native American stuff, told me that there were tunnels underneath the city that homeless people got kidnapped into, and then they would be taken into the medical sort of realm of Yale University and experimented on. So yeah, there's definitely rumors of that kind of strange shit going on underground. Wow. Yeah. Holy fuck. Well, that leads me to a, a crazy talking point that I hate keep I hate referencing Alex Jones, but I watch him a lot. So no it's the one thing he is he always mentions is is uh human animal chimera research that mm. these I don't know what it is, like I don't know if it's governments doing this research or but the reason he said they're doing it is because there's mechanisms that protect harmful research on animals and there's mechanisms that protect harmful research on humans. But there's no mechanisms to protect something that's half human, half animal or a percentage human and a percentage animal, right? So he's saying that, I don't know how much you know about this either, but he's saying that these elites are basically like doing research on clones of themselves and keeping like these like 99.9% humans and then 0.1% mug chimp in like rooms underground and doing research or like harvesting their organs. Kind of like that movie, The Island. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like Dr. Moreau's like evil, <laughs> evil lab, you know? Jeez. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know how that would how that would help, you know, like, because even though we are so genetically close to apes, I, I still don't think that their organs would be compatible with ours, but. Maybe it's not necessarily for the, or maybe they're just like running tests. I don't know. I, again, I'm just bringing it up because. Yes. Well, I think the, the idea of like, you know, man as a creator is a really strong like theme throughout the occult. And, you know, what I think that goes back to is the fact that we were created somehow, you know, whether you believe in a all powerful, omnipotent creator God, or you believe in like, you know, some ancient species that was above us that, you know, modified our genetics to create what we are now. There is this kind of like mystery regarding our DNA, our evolution, and that's where the whole creation versus evolution thing hinges. 
Personally, I'm not a creationist the same way someone who believes in the Bible is, but I definitely think that there is a creative force in the universe that most likely is intelligent and all that stuff. So with that in mind, I think we as human beings try to embody that. That's our highest potential to be like the creator. So maybe these ultra rich, hyper elite people are just doing that where they they think of themselves as like the Anunnaki gods compared to the rest of us. So they want to make their own worker species, you know, slave species and, you know, karmically feel like they're not going to be in debt because, you know, the laws don't apply to a human hybrid, which sounds sick and like Dr. Frankenstein-ish, you know, like that's what the whole Dr. Frankenstein book is about is like creating this like, you know, homunculus to do your will. And then the homunculus ends up kind of having a heart and, and like that brings the human component into it and everybody cries and says yay mr frankenstein needs a wife and, and then the, uh, dr frankenstein's wife is born and she's a nightmare oh well, i want to thank you so much it's been like almost an hour 50 but i want to end on this last question hopefully you could come back on at some point i was so much fun and i don't know if i'm on your podcast but well there was there was there was a little bit of a confusion there but i'd love to do it as a swap cast because i know you do shorter episodes so you could i mean i'll put it out on my end if you want to put it out on your end that'd be awesome we'll just i totally that. cool yeah let's do it baby well you're recording it all technically it's yours (laughs) (laughs) well yeah tell me what's your last question pindar oh pindar is that real? Like okay, so you have to understand the people who listen to mine have no idea of any. I kind of understand loosely. You go into like uh, Tartaria and stuff, but the people listening to the mine are going to be like, "What the hell is Tartaria?" So when you explain, like, I'm always going to have to have you back like once a year and just explain what these individual things are. But oh yeah, well this is this was more like us getting to know each other, and I really appreciate it. I like doing this but i think if we if you do want to do that i would love to uh, have a conversation with you where it's a little more structured so i can like prepare what you want me to talk about because off the top of my head i'm kind of like mixing <laughs> shit up and you know yeah yeah i'd like to prepare but this has been fun I, dude i appreciate i can't it. i almost feel like it, it, it it's like i'm just like a young jedi and you're just like <laughs> Uh, shooting Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy, like, just how much you know, which is always nice to have someone like listening and responding who actually is pretty well rehearsed on like a wide spectrum of misinformation. So, but to get to it, Pindar, mm. what do you think you, this thing's real? And what does that kind of like tie into with regard to like this whole lizard ideology that it like, kind of consumes people within the conspiracy world. Right. So I definitely think reptilians are real. Going back to my mentor, Amos, he had a peyote experience where he was in touch with a reptilian being. But I jumped to my phone real quick because this guy on Instagram sent me this really strange series of photos And he was like, look, bro, it's Pindar. And at first I'm like, whatever, you know, this is stupid. But, and then I looked and there are actual like gold statues 
of this like yeah it's it's in it's in mexico and it's called of course yeah it's oh no i'm sorry it's it's in peru and it's called chi chic leo peru and there are these really strange really strange statues there i wish it wasn't on instagram because then i would screen share this but it's this gold it's holding up to your webcam yeah this golden um like see this guy right <laughs> yeah terrible, I don't... terrible <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that's okay I, I get it oh here's a good one here's a good one so yeah these weird weird pictures of like reptilian statues in a public it's not a, like a, oh my god so, Holy shit. So that's in Peru, right? That's in Peru. That's in Peru. And that's supposed to be like their ancient history too. Like that's not like for a movie or something. That's like oh my God. a mythological figure in Peru. So Pindar, I think, is legit. I think there's some sort of reptilian species, whether it's multidimensional and they're able to like phase into this dimension and then phase out of this dimension. That seems to be where my... Uh, suspicions are but they also could be like an underground race of beings that only lives in caves and stuff i mean we hear stories of sasquatch and goblins and all kinds of other things coming out of caves so yeah pindar i think my guess is is, is he's real and well and to some people on my understand he's like a seven foot tall albino lizard that kind of like is at the top of the becking order as far as like running the world is that Will you understand? Well, that's how he's described to some people. I don't know where that comes from, and I'd love to research that further. But but I know there's like a sort of, there's like a couple different areas where that could have come from. It sounds to me like that comes out of like the whole Nazi occult zeitgeist of ideas. Because right. they talked about that, like meeting some sort of reptilian lizard in Tibet who was like the great white brotherhood leader. And so I don't, what the fuck? I, I don't buy into this stuff completely, but I also think that, you know, to that point, it could be multidimensional. Like these beings phase into our reality. I was just on a show last night and this guy, Mike Winner from the AlphaCast podcast popped in towards the end. And he was talking about St. Germain and how St. Germain appears in people's lives and he's not like a demon or something weird like that it's just like another type of being that is able to navigate multiple dimensions i mean how 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 other ways to explain it i don't know i've never experienced it but i'm hoping right. to i'm hoping to <laughs> but i hope your audience is, is still listening and not totally blown away one that I, i'll kind of like lead into this and then i don't know how much longer you want to go but the craziest thing I heard was like in, with regard to this reptilian stuff was forget it was like Princess Diana had a friend mm. that had witnessed the royal family like morphing into reptilians and eating like sacrificial children stuff. And this was like recorded. I don't I don't know if I heard the actual audio, but these these researchers had said like one of her friends was told this and that's kind of possibly why she was murdered because she knew too much. Right, right. And that whole death was extremely suspicious in that tunnel and, and you know, the person that she was engaged with was also, uh, you know, they kind of pinned it on him possibly, but no, I think that story holds water. <laughs> there was definitely some weird stuff 
going on with the Royal British, but I, that's a whole nother topic, brother. I appreciate this. I, I like talking to you. I think we ought to do this again soon. This has been fun, brother. Tell the folks who are listening on, on my end where to, where to find you. Luke Mitchell Comedy on Instagram. And then I prefer just follow, like subscribe to my YouTube, Luke Mitchell's Traveling Circus. I was making sketches, but then I fled Canada. So now I'm just a nomad. And then I started a financial channel on YouTube as well called Stocky Talky. So that's kind of picking up steam. But as far as just podcasting, Luke Mitchell's Circus. Right on. I cut you off. Were you going to say something? My bad. No. Oh, that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Luke Mitchell comedy on on Instagram, and you'll and they had a link tree in there. That's probably the easiest place. I haven't spread out to like Rumble yet, but I probably should. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here, and and I appreciate you having me on your show. We can make this a swapcast. So if those of your audience haven't heard of me before, my family thinks I'm crazy. Dot com is the place to go. And yeah, bro. Good shit, man. This is fun. Thank you. Thank you for accepting the request. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us to the end here. Luke Mitchell, what a guy. Be sure to check out Luke Mitchell's Circus on YouTube. Also check out his podcast, The Luke Mitchell Show. Almost certain that this episode might have already aired by now on his so you may be here from that show listening to this i put my own spin on everything so i don't think luke's gonna use the interlude and whatnot but funny stuff played around with his words there that was not his actual quote at the beginning as you might have told or learned but anyways here we are much later than when this conversation actually took place uh, I don't know if this also made it past the cutting room floor, but I woke up late that morning for whatever reason, and I was late for my interview with Luke. So unfortunately, there's a little bit of time um, lapse in my mind, and, and <laughs> I didn't really remember whether Luke was coming on my show or whether I was a guest on his show, so it was kind of a mix between both of us hosting uh, but it was cool. Luke saved the day at the end there and asked a bunch of really smart questions. So I think he's on his way to having a fantastic podcast. This is like episode 21 of his podcast and episode 126 of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We have a new patron. Shout out to Donut from the Donut Factory. He will be joining us on the show very soon. That episode is out. If you're a Patreon or Rockfin supporter, you might have already watched that conversation between Dona and I. Audio listeners, don't worry. The free version of the show will be out soon. But we got to give Dona a spirit animal name because he signed up for the Patreon. Thank you so much, Donut. I appreciate it, bro. So let's go ahead and give Donut a very unique, original spirit animal name right here, right now. Okay, drawing from the cards in the same random fashion that I always do. Ooh, this one we never see. All right, very cool. I love it. All right. So, Donut, your spirit animal name is... 
the Great Smoking Cheetah. You got the Great Smoking Mirror card and the Cheetah card. Now, the Great Smoking Mirror card represents reflections, which was cool because we definitely reflected on Donut's life in that episode. So, shout out to you, Donut. Thank you for joining and thank you for being the Great Smoking Cheetah. Anyways, here we are in the outro. This one's going to be short, folks. Had a lot of interviews recorded this week. I have to definitely unplug for a few days. I don't know when that'll happen, but it's coming. Uh, and it's cool because even though it's cold and it can't really go outside up here uh, in the wild north, um, I got plenty of books to keep me company. A new one just came in the mail. I'm looking forward to having this gentleman on the show, author Brian Cottonoir, who... I think recently was on the higher side chats. That's how I found out about him either there or from Aeon bite. But his book, practical alchemy came in the mail. So I'm going to be looking through that soon. You might've noticed on the last episode of my family thinks I'm crazy podcast with Loomis. We put an episode of the library of the mystagogue at the end of the episode. And that's what I do on the Patreon. So many people were asking me about book recommendations that I thought, you know what? Let's add an element of synchronicity to the list. Because now if you listen to that show, maybe you'll come across one of those books in a used bookstore. Maybe you'll get turned on to a subject that you didn't even know existed and you go out and you'll buy the book online. Wait, like I do. Either way, Used bookstores, I think I got to get out to one soon, but a lot of cool things going on. Obviously, we have the artwork that we're selling now, but we also have merch. So you can get some handmade jewelry made by yours truly. And then finally, we have merch. We're doing a merch raffle to kick off our merch. So if you sign up for the Patreon before our monthly telegram meeting on the 17th for patrons only you can join in and be a part of this raffle we're going to raffle off three maybe two i don't know one of them i might keep um we're going to raffle off these t-shirts and you know we'll do three we'll get rid of all three of them raffle off these handmade t-shirts printed by me i have all the equipment i know how to do prints and whatnot but not only that, we also have some really cool merch. Shout out to some artists who have answered the call. I put out the call, hey, can somebody make some art for the show? And someone by the name of, let's see, Starving Artwork on Instagram. Shout out to Starving Artwork. He made some really cool designs. Government, uh, Our government is shady. And then the synchro mystic design that I liked. So those are now available as merch. Get them on a t-shirt. There's a whole variety of t-shirts there in our little Teespring merch store. So go into the episode descriptions and check out the merch. All shapes and sizes, women, men. We got it all there. And then we also have the artwork for the show on a mug and on a t-shirt. And we have some really cool art in the works not going to shout this person out yet because it's not final, but seems pretty damn near close. I saw what they were working on. It looks great. 
we still need more artwork. So please don't hesitate. If you're an artist and you listen to this show while you're drawing and you listen to the show while you're painting, you listen to the show while you're doing art on your computer, whatever it is, get in touch with me. Let me know. Maybe your skills gel with what we need and maybe you can uh, capture the essence of the show in some art that we can sell on a t-shirt. And I will definitely compensate you for your time. This is a value for value model of a podcast and uh you know if you even want to send us the art for free as a way to support the show that is more than welcome too and we're happy to give you a shout out as well so thank you so much for listening here folks like i said it's a short one today you know where to go to support us my family thinks i'm crazy.com has all the links to everything mentioned even our sponsors they're all there right in the episode description my family thinks I'm crazy.com is another place, obviously. And then all media United, you can go there, check out all the podcasts we have in the cooperative. And if you're listening to the show and you're out there and you have a YouTube channel, maybe you have a podcast, you have something going on, Odyssey, BitChute, get in touch with me. You'll join the cooperative and, and be a part of the community. All right. Looking forward to the next episode and have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Peace.